everyone. Welcome to the fourth episode of Making a Racket. Today, we'll talk with Midland High tennis coach and former Iowa Hawkeye tennis player Tom Hiding about his experiences as a college tennis player and coaching high school tennis. We'll also talk about the Miami Open from Ashley Barty rounding into form to Hubert Hercage's surprise win. As usual, I'm here with Sean Doherty. Hello. And say hello to our guest coach, Tom Hiding. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Thank you for taking time to be with us. And guys, as we were recording right before the Men's Basketball National Championship, I want to ask how how did y'all's March Madness brackets hold up considering all the upsets, you know, the Oral Roberts and the the UCLA and the... I'm looking it up. I think I had Houston in the final four. I think I got that one right. Yeah, I got that one right too, but I think that's about it. I was it. a little surprised. Well, I had Iowa playing Gonzaga, you know, so <laughs> I, Iowa was winning it all, but uh, that didn't happen. Mm. Yeah, I, I did have Houston go in Final Four. I just didn't think they'd beat four double-digit seeds on the way there, so I got all their opponents wrong. Um, I'm I'm glad I didn't try to deviate from the standard and just went with Gonzaga and Baylor. I didn't try anything special, <laughs> and I got Gonzaga winning, so well, made the easy pick. I had UT and Tech playing and Tech winning yeah. it all. So that didn't happen. <laughs> Could have at least gone to the Sweet 16, but no. Not even. No, they had to miss every open shot. I don't know. I guess I get why Chris Beard Missed left. free throws. You know, Chris Beard didn't even leave for more money. He didn't. We thought he'd get paid more than the football coach. He's only getting about five. Well, I shouldn't say only, but he's getting about $5 million a year. He would have gotten that with Tech. We would have given him anything he wanted to, but I guess UT's more important to him. Oh, well, I don't think he's more important to UT. So <laughs> he's an, he, he's their alum, though, you know. So yeah, but they don't care about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we did either, but we started to. Started to. We we're going to become a basketball school, especially because our football team was never going to get any good. <laughs> well, first. Uh, I don't know whether to call you Coach or Tom. I I feel kind of weird. I'm not not sure what I'm supposed to call you. It's kind of like whatever you feel like. It didn't bug me. (laughs) I'm calling him Coach Hiding. (laughs) It took me forever to get over saying Coach Stewart and saying Carmen instead. Really? Yeah. I figured Carmen would work for you because you knew her before. Yeah, but I think I called her Miss Stewart or something, and I don't like saying Miss Stewart. Yeah, it is weird. Okay, well, I'll call you Coach. Otherwise, I'd call you Tommy, but I'd call you uh, Coach. I want to ask, what got you into tennis as a as a younger kid? Uh, my mom introduced me to it, and uh, I took my first set of lessons at the Parks and Recreation uh, courts, which you know were the Permian High School courts one summer, and. Uh, since that time, I, I I would keep it up during the summer and try to play other sports, you know, just like everybody else growing up. And uh, I didn't grow very fast, so I was kind of small. Uh, I had asthma, and we didn't have those nice inhalers and breathing machines and stuff like, you know, they do today. And so, you know, figured out, hey, running around on this hard court, you know, wasn't as bad as 
running around on a football field or a soccer field or something like that where I was allergic to grass and things like that, you know, kind of really hampered your breathing, hampered your ability. But the other factor was being small. Then I didn't get crushed out on the football field or anything like that. So it was uh, something that, that I found, you know, very attractive. The other thing which a lot of players, I think, find out is sometimes, you know, we're the type of personality where we don't want to let teammates down. And so tennis, it's just you, you know, and for a lot of people, that's a relief. And for me, it was definitely a relief. I like being in control of winning, losing, uh, all the other factors involved. I never thought of it like that, that mentality. And yeah. and being allergic to grass. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. No grass on a yeah, tennis court. I mean, yeah. And I mean, like a lot of people were like, well, basketball, you know, it's even inside, you know, and it was like, I don't know what it was about being inside in a gym, but they weren't all nice and air conditioned back in the day either. <laughs> you know, it's, a gym was a, a humid, dank environment. And, you know, that didn't do any favors for me either. You know, I think outside with the fresh air, at least on changeovers or even in between points and stuff, you know, you can ah, take that breath that you needed and, uh, you know, kind of gather yourself. It was more peaceful. <laughs> now, um, you went to Permian High School and played tennis there. What was it like playing tennis for Permian? What was the program like? I mean, the program itself was actually really good. Uh, when I came in from Bonham Junior High, we had uh, basically three schools that fed into Permian. And two of them kind of comprised the tennis team. But we had 14 guys that were state ranked coming in from the eighth grade up onto the high school level, you know, at one time. And prior to that, you know, we had a, I think it was a girls doubles team that had made it to the state finals. You know, the team as a whole was a, uh, always very competitive, you know, in team tennis, going to regionals, et cetera. And then we had a lot of great individuals who kind of inspired me. Like I would go up, ride my bike up to the courts on the weekend and see Hermian playing Andrews, you know, or something like that. And a lot of people don't realize it at the time. I guess this is late 70s, early 80s. I mean, Andrews was one of the best teams in the whole country, you know, not only Texas, but they were phenomenal. And uh, a lot of the smaller towns were kind of like that. But uh, I don't know, I, you know, Coach uh, Pat Wicks was just brand new there. And he came from Illinois uh, via Tim Stollard, who also lived in Illinois, moved to West Texas, called his old coach and said, hey, coach, we got a, a job open for you. I think you'd like it down here. And plus it's warmer weather, you know, than Illinois. So he took a chance, moved on down and uh, he coached for 42 years. So, you know, his, a lot of things that you guys did drills and everything that uh, I convey to players. That's, that's his material. You know, I thought he ran a super, tight ship and, you know, wanted to make tennis 
not only competitive, but he, he wanted it to be a friendly atmosphere. He wanted it, you know, for everybody to feel involved and, uh, you know, just get better and experience hitting the ball. You know, he, he knew the big picture. He saw, hey, when you're 50 years old, you can still go out there and play tennis, you know. So uh, I think, it, you know, as far as a coach and him establishing a program there, uh, I couldn't have asked for better. And, you know, at the time, uh, Abilene Cooper, Abilene High, those were the teams to beat in the state of Texas, and they just so happened to be right there in our district. So. It was pretty neat. Well, for sure. And and sometimes our it feels like high school tennis in the area has declined a little bit. Um and and we've seen that kind of over time, but um so so it is hard for me to imagine it being at that level um the way it was. You then went to Midland College right after that. Um tell us about playing there. You played there for two years. Yeah. Um that was a, uh, uh, I'm not going to say it was a hard decision. It was a pretty easy decision. At that time in my life, some some things were happening at home. And, uh, you know, one of them was medical. The other one was, you know, revolving around a divorce. And uh, I was kind of the man at home as far as chores, you know, mowing the grass, you know, doing the the laborious things. My mother's a little bitty, five foot two and a school teacher her whole life. And so I really had a hard time, you know, uh, thinking about leaving her and going places. And I mean, not by any means am I, am I boasting, but I did have some good opportunities to go to some good uh, division one schools right out of uh, high school. And uh, I passed that up, but happily so, because, you know, I did get the opportunity once again, you know, being in Odessa uh, to see Odessa College, men's tennis. I practiced a lot with those guys. And then my coach sent me over to Medlin College and he said, you need to play some of the guys over there because they're all from other countries. Well, when I went over and played at Medlin College, uh, man, they cleaned my clock. I mean, I could barely get a game off of, you know, their number six player. Whereas Odessa College, I was fairly competitive with most of their players or, you know, could even win, you know, a lot of the times. And so I I noticed, you know, hey, they they would make big runs into the nationals, et cetera. And then I would notice the player that would leave Midland College, you know, after seeing them play that year, wow, all of a sudden this guy's number two at TCU or, you know, this guy's at Southern Cal or whatever. And you're like, huh. You know, so I thought, well, you know, might take a chance. And the, the coach was really nice. And looking back on it with a different set of eyes, I believe I was supposed to be the token West Texas kid to play on that team because everybody else was from France, Sweden, Holland, England, Morocco. You know, I I was not supposed to make the, the lineup either, I'm pretty sure. 
So it was really cool for me to get in that environment with these guys that, you know, they they had a worldly experience. They were coming in with ITF junior rankings and one guy beat uh, Emilio Sanchez, another guy beat Boris Becker. You know, people were, hey, I'm ranked, you know, number nine in my country. And, well, golly, one, two, three, and four are, you know, top 10 in the world. So you're pretty darn good, you know. And junior college tennis during that time was definitely incredible. You know, I, I just don't think people got the grasp of it. But, you know, we played a tournament one time with, uh, Texas, A&M, Tech, SMU, Baylor, some, some uh, Arkansas was there. It was all in Abilene, and we played it uh, at Rick Myers' place. Well, in the finals, there was Little Bitty Midland College versus the University of Texas, and we lost to their men's team five matches to four, and our number one doubles team was the deciding match. And they lost uh, in a third set tiebreaker, like 15 to 13, to a guy named Mitch Macholka, and I forget his partner's name, but they ended up being the national champions in Division One doubles that year. And my two guys, I mean, one was from Holland, one was from Morocco. Uh, the guy from Holland played number one at University of Miami. The guy from Morocco chose to go to a, a smaller school, Southwest Missouri State. But it's nice to uh, great memories, you know. But I think a lot of times some of us that got that junior college experience, we could definitely say our junior college team was better than our Division One college team, you know. And I think that holds true for a large number of people that went through the system. Speaking of your college team, what made you end up in Iowa? Well, at the time, there were two schools that had great communication programs. One was University of Southern California, and the other one was the University of Iowa. And, uh, you know, at, at the time, I had relatives in Iowa, my family being from Minnesota. I was familiar with the university, uh, liked it a lot. You know, it had a mom and pop feel to it. The town, Iowa City, Iowa, was total 30,000 people. And when school was in session, then the town was 60,000 people. And, you know, you guys being at these big places, that's small. Because, you know, the residents, they're not all hustling and bustling like the students, you know, and so I like the feel of that. Uh, I don't know, Andy Griffith kind of small community, you know, type of uh, environment, number one. But then, like I say, the other thing was the communications program was excellent. Tom Brokaw, you know, probably in my opinion, you know, one of the greatest broadcasters around next to, you know, Walter Cronkite. He flunked out of Iowa. My advisor was his advisor. I mean, it was surreal. And, you know, I know Nathan's pursuing that a little bit. I don't know about his classes, but 
those very intimidating classes that I'd have to take with three, four hundred people in them, those classes were the best because you'd just be sitting there. And I had a professor, Randy Hirokawa, and he was awesome, full of energy, kind of like, you know, a motivational speaker. And he'd come in and you'd be ready to hear what this guy had to say. Well, he'd come in and say, I'm not saying anything today, guys. He said, instead, we got a special guest. Put your hands together for, in the very first time he did that, it was Spike Lee. And Spike Lee came in and talked about, you know, Mo Better Blues and things that he had just done and, you know, talked about a lot of the filmography and everything. Another time, you know, hey, put your hands together, Kevin Costner. I mean, Field of Dreams was happening, all that kind of – I mean, it was like, holy cow, you are on the precipice of what's happening in society, what's happening, you know, and I mean, you bring in the big names to people that you're aspiring to be like and people that, you know, you had the same goals. That was incredible. So I I loved, you know, my time there, but communications drew me there. Tennis was a vehicle to get that education. But at the same time, tennis in the Big Ten was incredible. Malavia Washington, number one player at Michigan when I went there, also the number one player in the United States. Right after he graduated, a big, tall, skinny freshman goes to Northwestern, Todd Martin. He was number one in the United States. So, you know, there was those guys, and then everybody else's number one was way up there. You know, everybody was in, you know, the top 20 top 25. So you want to talk about some good competition. Yeah, it was, it was there. Give us then your most memorable match. I got to play Todd Martin once because their number one guy fell out of his bunk bed and hurt his back. So coach subbed me in and I sat there and held serve for, you know, 10 games basically. And then Todd decided this isn't going to be over. And, you know, the guy hit a two-handed backhand. I knew I was in trouble when I drilled a approach shot to the backhand corner. Low, had, you know, not only top spin, but was spinning to the side. Guy just slaps a one-hand backhand just right by me. <laughs> After that, I don't think I won too many more points. And the bad thing about that was he just beat a pretty good pro at the time, Christo Van Rensburg in the semifinals of a Chicago tournament, and in the finals, lost to a guy named Michael Chang in three sets. Now, granted, this is a college freshman losing to French Open champion, you know, of ours, Davis Cup player, top five player in the world, and he has to come play me. I just thought, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a memorable match, that's for sure, because it was a big name. And, you know, you got to follow his career and see what he did. And it was kind of cool. I I ran into him at the 95 U.S. Open, and he was coming off the practice courts. And I was going to go on the practice courts to hit with a couple of ladies that I was warming up that week. and. He was like, hey, Tex. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like he knew who I was. And he was like, you know, 
called me Tex because the other guys called me Tex. And he brought up another reference. And how's the rooster doing? Well, the rooster was my six foot five doubles partner from Sweden who had just the nastiest haircut and a big old Adam's apple and looked like a rooster. I mean, it was a perfect nickname, but sat there and talked for a little bit. And I was like, wow, that was, you know, quite a few years after college had ended. So that was neat. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of good memories. You know, I don't, don't have any regrets. That's for sure. Nathan, you mentioned how they're getting rid of the men's tennis program. Yeah, the Iowa AD Gary Barta announced in August of 2020 that, among others, the men's tennis program would be cut due to the financial implications of the pandemic. Um, this is not a problem unique to Iowa, but to many schools across the country. And um, in 2020, they had actually had one of their better seasons in a while. They were top 20 in the country. And now they're not even wearing their uniforms. They're wearing plain red shirts now in protest of it. Um, Coach, I want to ask you, how do you feel about Iowa cutting the men's tennis program? Well, there's a, I'm looking for it here. There you go. I'm I'm getting emails on a regular basis, you know, and uh, it's save, you know, it's not only Iowa tennis, like the swimming, uh, men's gymnastics, etc. So let's see, this was in September 2nd. I got something from, you know, a lady named Vicki Nauman. And I mean, once I looked her up, I mean, she's like an Olympic gold medalist or something. But, you know, like swimming and uh, gymnastics and tennis, we all got kind of got together and First, sign not really a, a petition, you know. We knew a petition meant nothing, you know, but we put some signatures on the page. And uh, I don't know if, you know, court action was being sought after or whatever, but you had to give permission for them to use your name and, you know, your information. You gave it willingly. And, you know, I think... Uh, Kind of what we did was, you know, swimming, looked at their, you know, bunch, tennis. We look at, you know, I mean, I want to say they probably had like 10 men, you know, on the team at the time. Uh, Right now, a majority of them are from England. You know, the the coach, Ross Wilson, he has a good um, recruiting system right now. I mean, he's getting some incredible players in. And like you said, I mean, they – we're ranked twentieth last year. We or year before when they had to stop, but it, it, things were looking up. I mean, I, I was thinking, hey, all of a sudden Iowa might win a Big Ten championship. You know, I mean, they look like they can compete with you know the the really good Illinois or you know right now Ohio State. You know those type of guys. But uh, so anyway, um, we figured it out monetarily. What does it cost? you know, to keep these, this program going, what does it cost per year? That type of deal. And basically they're looking at, Hey, do we have enough support? Will we have enough financial backing to keep this program going and keep these kids in school? And so, you know, like, as you know, the the year was granted to them 
you know, to finish and play whatever matches were available and whatnot. But, you know, like you said, they're, they're amongst a few others, you know, that they went ahead and picked on that men's tennis team. And I was like, what got me is, you know, I'm always, you know, stressing the academics before the athletics and blah, blah, blah. Well, they had six academic All-Americans last year. You know, in college, that's that's not small potatoes. I mean, you're doing something. And these guys aren't parks and recreation major. They're business majors. They're, you know, they're into engineering. They're into, you know, some some pretty meaty subjects, you know. And that's what we're looking at. That's what we're kind of doing. Uh, I was fortunate. Like, they definitely over the years have produced some incredible alumni. And uh, these alums have gone on to be huge success in the business, you know, world and communities. I know several of the guys that were on my team uh, were Chicago-based. And uh, they're not hurting for money. Is it the easiest way to to say, you know, but it it would be a shame because, you know, we also helped fund their tennis center. And, I mean, if you go online and just look at the University of Iowa's tennis center, it's probably the most beautiful in the country. You know, it is is phenomenal and state-of-the-art. And I'm thinking, man, these guys really deserve this because when we played, we kind of played in a bubble. You know, we played in a in a rec building basically, so it was it was cool to be able to give them that incredible outdoor you know scene, but create that indoor that we got to play. You know, like when we played at Notre Dame or when we played at Michigan or wherever, it was like oh my god, you know, because being from West Texas, we don't see indoor courts. Well, it's one thing to see indoor courts, and it's another thing to see ornate indoor courts that are just pristine, you know, to the nines. You don't want to break like the water cooler because it's made out of gold (laughs) or something. I don't, you know, it was, it was really cool to play on those. And then now we have them too, you know? And so I was like, you got to keep this going, you know? And, And it's a shame because I mean, you guys know you were right up there academically. I mean, Tennis, swimming, gymnastics, I mean, football, basketball, I don't care. You know, they can't compete. They can't come close to competing. I'm sorry. So why do we hurt the the educated? I guess because we're non-revenue, you know? I mean, we're not bringing in the big bucks. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, the bottom line. But... Uh, like I said, I'm getting those updates. I'm curious to see what's going to happen, you know, as, as we progress into the future. Cause I mean, this is heartbreaking. You know, those guys were devastated and, you know, coach was, you know, devastated. He's, he's done a great job. And I mean, he's like a two, three time all American himself from Ohio state. And he was just the right, uh, person to put in that job and, and get it popping when our coach retired. So I don't know. I'm hoping, praying for the best and trying to help out in whatever capacity I can. 
Oh, for sure. Um, I, I do want to ask you now that I'm thinking about it as well. Um, I, I saw pictures and you had explained it to me once. Um, you got to hit with Mary Pierce and you maybe could have been a hitting partner there. Explain that all to me again. Okay. Well, a lot of people don't know that uh, we had a lady, Virginia Brown. She coached tennis in uh, at Odessa College for a number of years. And this was back in the late 60s and early 70s. She's from Southern California originally. And uh, then when UTPB uh, formed a women's team, a women's tennis team, which a lot of people don't know that that ever existed either, she was the coach over there. Well, amongst her players at Odessa College, because she was a great player. She was a Wimbledon quarterfinalist herself. She had a lot of respect. She was she was a coach that could make a difference in your game in a day. I mean, I I loved the enthusiasm and everything that she offered me. But, you know, she had people uh David Pate, Scott Davis, they were the number one doubles team in the world. Can you imagine they're sitting at Odessa College playing some tennis? You know, and then whenever she was at uh, UTPB, she had a a large contingency from Ireland, a lot of good players, and she brought some other players from Southern California. Well, one of them happened to be Sandy Collins. And so Sandy's playing for UTPB, NAIA, you know, is how they were classified at the time. The ladies win the national championship, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Sandy's super good. And so Virginia, she's all about, hey, let's let's go on the tour. And so she gets her, and she's a big, tall lefty, gets her going out on the tour. And, you know, before you know it, she beats uh, Hannah Mandlakova, who is a Wimbledon champion, top five in the world. Then she beats Martina Navratilova. You know, there's nobody that doesn't know her. She had wins over Chrissy Everett. She had wins over Tracy Austin, Andrea Jaeger. I mean, you name it, she beat them. And she was, you know, number 16 in the world, uh, her highest point in singles. And they're sitting there living two streets behind Nimitz Junior High. And nobody knows it. <laughs> well, my dad was business partners with Virginia since she was at Odessa College. He was a professor at Odessa College. They had several ventures from car dealership to apartments to the oil business to anything that a, a college professor could dabble in to try to get, you know, a better living for their family or whatnot. And, you know, some were good, some were bad, but they remain lifelong friends even till today. So uh, as I'm coming up and they see I'm playing tennis, uh, you know, hey, tell tell Tommy to come over here and he can hit some balls with us. Well, by the time I'm 14, I can actually hit a tennis ball. So I start hitting with some of those girls, you know. Throughout time, I worked out with them, worked out with them. Then I got to where, you know, she she was making sure that I could hit that big serve. And she would, you know, really encourage me like, hey, hit the crap out of it, would you? You know, well, they needed that serve so she could practice, Sandy could practice returning it. 
because the ladies' game was getting bigger and bigger. And I mean, she needed to be able to take a hold of the those big serves and you know control them. So, uh, they, they were they were awesome. And you know, Sandy stayed on the tour for eighteen years. And you know, at the end of her eighteenth year, um, they sent me two plane tickets, and they said, "But you do have to pay the." Uh, airport tax. So I ended up paying $24 to fly right into JFK. Car picked me up and my wife, because I was married at the time, took us into, you know, Manhattan. We stayed at a hotel right across from where they dropped the ball on New Year's. For two weeks, hotel was paid for. Then they gave us a car. Pontiac did. That was one of their sponsors. And I stayed for two weeks out at the open. Well, when you're there for two weeks, Virginia Brown is going to try to do business. She knew I was coaching. She knew I was doing this. And she said, I'm going to introduce you to some people. And, you know, we're going to try some things here. So, you know, one day we'll go in there and she's like, hey, bring your tennis gear. And I thought, God, no. <laughs> you know, you bring your tennis gear into the to the U.S. Open. And, you know, there's real people there. So, you know, anyway, I did. She said, go change. I got somebody for you to hit with. And that's where it started. Started hitting a little bit with, you know, Mary Pierce. She was a nobody still. Uh, hit with Martina Hingis. Hit with uh, Kornikova. You know, Hingis and Kornikova were like 14 or 15 years old at the time they were playing the juniors you know got to hit with some some people like that and you know basically in the entourage you do have hitting partners i've noticed even you know with watching the tennis yesterday that you know like nadal asked sinner hey we're in this bubble be my hitting partner you know i'm thinking well who's he hitting with you know is it carlos moya otherwise is it, you know, a younger guy? But that's what you got. You got somebody that you can wake up all hours of the day. They got to be there and they got to be sharp. You know, they wanted somebody that could just hit the ball and be solid, you know. So that was going to be an option. You know, I got a contract put in front of me that said, hey, if you're my hitting partner, you can have this percentage of the winnings. We're going to pay for your food, your your travel, your hotel. Just got to be there when we want you there. So I was like, eh, it sounds cool if I was a little younger and single. Because, you know, then I would have tried to get wild cards and stuff <laughs> myself or at least tried to play some mixed doubles or doubles. I don't know. But that was cool. But, I mean, that it, it kind of passed me up a little bit. But it was neat, you know, experience and neat to be considered for something like that. This is the end of episode 4A. Keep listening for 4B.